We're very excited here today at Full Circle Analog as we begin our interview series. This will be the first of many, I hope, of friends and clients and acquaintances, and who knows who else will show up with recollections of the 60s and the 70s music, starting with the Beatles on experiences, our remembrances, first concerts we went to, living in Southern California, but specifically today, we're going to look at growing up in the, what we know, the locals know as the Inland Empire, which is San Bernardino County. We are going to have in our studio a good friend, Bill, who grew up in San Bernardino and went to college in Portland, Oregon. Great knowledge, especially of an area in San Bernardino that was known as the Swing Auditorium. We'll learn a lot of detail about that as it was the first legitimate concert where the Rolling Stones were booked to play. Yes, San Bernardino's Swing Auditorium. That is an amazing story, plus where the name Swing Auditorium came from. Many, many other interesting things about the area. Are we we're back, back. We're and back. we're here talking Stay tuned. to, we'll just say Bill. Bill. Um, as we promised, we were going to do several uh, episodes uh, with uh, folks I know, acquaintances, and friends uh, who grew up in the Inland Empire or who have lived in the Inland Empire for many years and know the local music scene much, much better than most people. Uh, I've known Bill for quite a few years and had many great conversations about our perspectives on music that we love, that we grew up with from the 60s and 70s and beyond. And uh, who knows what we'll discover Uh <laughs> As we uh, continue our uh, full circle analog, our podcast about things, all things music and culture and electronics, the stereo components, anything to do with the 60s and 70s. Yeah, just just uh, growing up stuff through, growing through up music, stuff. through the radio. So now, forgive me because I've probably forgotten a lot of stuff, but you live most of your life here. Yeah, I was born in San Bernardino. That's right. And uh, I went to elementary school, junior high, yeah. high school in uh, San Bernardino. And I remember we, 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 I think somewhere we started about talking about music. You were talking about the Rolling Stones. And the Rolling Stones played the swing. And it was the first official gig or something like that? Yeah, it was their first appearance in the U.S. Um, the... Uh, Rolling Stones manager wanted them to uh, be on the uh, Beatles coattail, and the <laughs> Beatles were performing at the Hollywood Bowl, and their manager wanted the Rolling Stones to be in the area, and the Swing Auditorium was the only venue available at that time. So they got Isn't it something like, the, the, just basically said, what's their name? Okay, they can play. Yeah. Based on their relationship or, or something, because they didn't even know who the Rolling Stones were. Yeah, I don't even think Satisfaction was out yet. It wow. Was, that's, um, that's the cool thing, looking looking back on some of this stuff. like uh, There was only like one or two albums out by a lot of these artists back then, or maybe th the Stones, maybe three or four. Sure. You know, because we're... We may or may not get off on Woodstock. I don't know. We're recording this 
about a week and a couple days before the 50th anniversary of the original Woodstock Music and Arts Fair. But uh, looking at the playlists today mm-hmm. of the bands, <laughs> it was their first album, you know? Sure. I mean, you look at Creedence List. Creedence, I mean, it was their first album. Uh, Bayou Country they played and Green River. So that, I think, was their first three albums because I think it was like Creedence Clearwater Revival and then it was, a, I don't know if the order is right, Bayou Country and Green River. I love those songs. Green River. That, that's one of my favorites. Was Green River on their second album? The second, that, see, it, I, it was the name of the album. It was the title track. And Bayou Country was Born on the Bayou and those other songs. I used to have all the Creedence albums. And yeah. There was a cute girl in my high school who wanted to buy them because she loved them, but she didn't have the money. So I sold them to her for like a dollar a piece, really? thinking somehow that was going to start a relationship mm-hmm. that never happened. <laughs> Because I never got rid of albums. But you got a buck out of it. I got a buck out of it. And, that, you know, that was probably eight bucks back then, which was not a bad amount of money to have. You know, when, I don't know. That was before I was working. No, I was probably around there. But anyway, uh, the Stones played at the Swing Auditorium. Now, from my perspective, living in the eastern corner of Los Angeles County, the Swing, San Bernardino, was like on the other side of the, the state to yeah, me. It was like sure. hours away. You know, even years later when I had the privilege of going up to a cabin in Green Valley Lake a lot and we would come out here and turn on Alabama or California and go up into the hills before mm-hmm. they built the kind of the freeway up to the 330 and up to uh, Running Springs. That seemed like a forever drive. I remember yeah, we sure. finally got to those eucalyptus trees on the side of the 10 freeway. And, <laughs> and I was you know like, you're getting close. gosh, we're getting close. Cool. And I'd love to see the wind blowing those things, you know. But you know, and then years later, I drove every day out here and back from Whittier to San Bernardino. Sure. I mean, 55 miles from my door to my work. Couldn't do that now. <laughs> but the Swing Auditorium would show up in the L.A. Times calendar section when one of the major bands would play. Yes. And I, I never went. I think, I, you know, is lots of questions about the Swing Auditorium because you were there. Did You were there several times? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think you told me you were. Sure. I mean, who was the first band you saw there? I mean, I think that's a story in itself. The first band, um, it was, uh, gosh... <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it was uh, who Mike, didn't you see there? Was, I w- I guess is probably Lee Michaels. There. Lee Michaels. Wow. Lee Michaels, and he was there um, with Ball and Jack. And I, I had no, no clue who Ball and Jack was. Yeah. And um, were they the opening band? Yeah. <laughs> or they, or they, uh, yeah. Yeah. All those opening and, bands. And uh, when we saw Lee Michaels, he was only there with a drummer. Yeah, the drummer's name was Frosty. And. He, Lee Michaels was keyboard player, Frosty on drums, and oh gosh, it was a great show. Do you have any idea what year that was? I believe it was 68 going into 69. Wow. I I believe it was New Year's Eve concert. Wow. You hit concerts before me. Yeah, I wanted to go um, to see a lot of other concerts like... Iron Butterfly was there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Cream. You saw Cream. No. But they played out here. But they did play out there. 
I had a hard time getting my parents to allow me to go to these concerts. Right. <laughs> there was that thing called transportation. Transportation, and they didn't want me to get into the drug culture right. that well, they thought. You could have gotten there probably, I mean, because it wasn't miles and miles and miles away. I mean, for me, the forum was on the other side of town. The forum yes. is over by, it was it was the Los Angeles Forum where the Lakers and the Kings, the basketball and the hockey team played. And it was next door to Hollywood Park, mm -hmm. the racetrack. It was this big chunk of land that was over by, Man you know, it was on Manchester and Prairie, which was kind of in a really, what we would say back then, a rough neighborhood. My first concert, because I want to get back to the swing, was the group Chicago. Sure. When I was a sophomore in high school, I, I was just away from my you know driver education or whatever mm -hmm. and uh my best friend's brother took you know the three of us went and uh that was the very first concert i ever saw was chicago at the forum that and that was probably show. chicago three they'd got a transit authority two and three i think by 60 by 72 oh. so i'm guessing it was 72 i can't absolutely be sure but i'm pretty sure it was and that started, you know, then I got my license. And, you know, back then your parents, by the time my parents were, they weren't naive, but um, there was a lot more freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, my, I had my hand-me-down car of my dad's, and I drove the 62 push-button Plymouth mm -hmm. to the Forum. And the uh, my favorite place was the Long Beach Arena. Long Beach had this, it was a little bit smaller than the Forum, but the thing that made Long Beach so cool, besides it being closer, a little bit easier drive mostly freeway is the sound was better the forum was awful was it really it was the place to go that's where everybody i mean back then it was these two producers produced everybody under the sun it was wolf and wrist miller present i remember them they used to do a lot of stuff <laughs> at uh, the big a in anaheim okay yeah, all sure right i saw them uh Jim they wolf. had the who there yeah and i remember okay. they were the promoters for that yeah I, I might have been at I might have been at that concert because I saw the Who at Anaheim. Oh really? Um, yeah, that was a rough. I remember uh, Shaka Khan was there. Yes, I was there. All right. I was there. Yes, there was a whole bunch of bands that played, and that was when we actually stayed overnight. We got there like midnight, mm -hmm. two o'clock in the morning, and it was awful. I mean, it was just I I'll never stay overnight. I mean, the Who, um, Daltrey? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Daltrey. Townsend was sick. I mean, literally, he was ill. Was he, really? he was white as a sheet. He wasn't smiling. He didn't seem like he was having a good time. And the crowd in the outfield, of course, they played behind the center field fence. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, the crowd was really young. They, I think a lot of them weren't even Who fans, true Who fans. They were just hanging out. Yeah. They might have been there to see somebody else, Chaka Khan, maybe. I wish I could remember the bill, but it was about... Was there a Little Feet? Little Feet played there, Chaka Khan, The Who. I, don't I remember a guy climbing up this big old tower and diving off into an airbag. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of in between home plate and the pitcher's Oh, my mound. gosh. Do you remember that? And uh, yeah, you know, vaguely. It was kind of between bands. Where, where yeah. were you? Were, were you up in the stands? Yeah, we were up in the stands kind of to the left of the stage. And we were on the level. There was signs all over up there. It says... Do not jump up and down. <laughs> That's right. And, well, the who came out, and of course everybody's jumping up and down, and you could look across 
and mm-hmm. it looked like a wave. Yeah, on, it was the, this, the stadium was really rocking, and all of a sudden you could see flash. Yeah. You know, on the scoreboard, please do yeah. not. <laughs> I remember we down. stayed there all night, so we got in one of the first groups in, and we were like right up near the wall, center field. Wow. But as You're soon right there, as man. the who came on, there was such a rush towards the wall, the center field wall, that it wasn't safe. And it was something new for us, too. I was used to sitting down and listening to the music. Yes. It was a rude awakening just a few years ago to finally see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I learned to love 20 years after their first album when their greatest hits came out. Really? And a guy burned it for me, and I went, where have I been? These guys are fantastic. Yeah, they are good. They're, they're great. They're, they're rockers, and they're poets, and they're rappers, and they're... Yeah. They, All, they do some pretty nice ballads, you know, Under the Bridge. That when John Frusciante was the guitarist in that band. Anyway. Um, Anaheim Stadium. Anaheim the Stadium, the crush of the crowd. Ironically, or whatever, a friend of ours was a bouncer, was security there. They didn't call him bouncers at concerts like that. He was security, and he happened to be, they had him situated every so many feet along the wall. I guess if someone needed help, they could pull him over. Yeah. And Terry McGinnis, I don't know why his name just popped into my head. I saw him, and we were getting crushed, pushed forward, and it wasn't safe. And we had sleeping bags. I mean, I lost a bunch of stuff. They got trampled. Uh, but whatever we could, we yelled for Terry, and he saw us. And he, we went, we're pointing at stuff, and we threw stuff to him. He took it and we got it back. Really? Yeah. We actually went. This Boy, was. Were you like? This was college. It had to be college. This was later seventies, yeah. um, because we all went to school together. I went to Cal Lutheran up in Thousand Oaks, and when I hooked up with Terry, because he was friends with some of the girls that were going. My wife and I were dating then, but there was a couple other females there. I know that he liked one of them, and he probably oh, just did it because yeah. she had her stuff too. But we got all we got all the stuff that we hoisted to Terry back. But we ended up in the loge, somewhere behind third base, the dugouts, the mm-hmm. one of them, and I, that's when I remember the the rocking. Yeah, but that's that's we we were both at that concert. Yeah, I did. I guess I, I never realized we've that. We've probably been to some concerts that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I'd never came out here to a concert. Yeah. Um, by the but by the time I got my license, when I was a junior and senior, and my freshman year of college, those those years, even though it was a, just a few, well, when I lived in Whittier, yeah. we went to everybody who came. I mean, and they were one right after another. You know, St- I mean, Zeppelin would when Zeppelin got huge, mm. they would come and play a whole week or more, and you know. So they would be here, and then somebody else would toll would come, and and then whoever, I mean, I mean Aerosmith, I saw Aerosmith at the Long Beach Arena. We were talking about opening bands. We were joking about the first concert you saw and the opening band. Mm -hmm. What were they? What was the name of the that was Lee Lee Michaels and Frosty, Frosty and Ball and Jack, Ball and Jack. Yeah. Well, there was a guy I used to work with, which made the story even sweeter. Is the opening act for Aerosmith? Was ACDC. Yeah, no, no kidding. 
And uh, yeah, they played Back in Black, and you know, they were known, but it was amazing that they opened for Aerosmith. And uh, it was, I don't know, Aerosmith was probably, gosh, what album had come out? Kings and Queens or something like that? One, one of their later albums after they kind of had peaked. Yeah. Because we got into Aerosmith late too. Yeah, Aerosmith, you know, they, they rose really fast and they really crashed. Yeah, they sure for did. For a while and, they, you know, they were doing concerts and stuff, but yeah. nothing to the caliber of uh, like Toys in the Attic or, yep. you know, anything like that. Yeah. Um, but but uh, I mean, I mean, saw, for me, it was Queen and yes, I saw them a lot. Yeah. Uh, there were other bands it was really harder to get tickets for or you, once in a while you just didn't have the money mm-hmm. that would that really hurt you know because we weren't always working we were going to school um, maybe in the late 70s we were but you know tickets were doable but it was hard to get them yeah. unless you wanted to go to a ticket agency yeah. see that's the thing about uh, Swing on a Torium is you know, they were promoted primarily on the AM radio stations from San Bernardino. There was KFXM hmm. and Cayman. Those were the two. And I'm not, I'm not know, familiar they, with either one of them. They would be uh, promoting, and they would say there was two places to get the tickets at, at the time. This was probably in 68, 9, 70, before the uh, Ticketmasters came out. You didn't have the ticket agencies. Um, it was Lear's Music there on E Street. They sold uh, instruments. And there was Lyle's Record City. It was a record store. It was on Highland Avenue. Okay. And you just go in, give them your two bucks, get your ticket. Um, two bucks? It, yeah. If, if you didn't want to, you know, mm. get your ticket, you know, you could go to the box office the day yeah. of the show and pay two fifty. So they kind of encourage you to get them a little early by giving yeah. you a fifty cent discount. Wow, a discount! Yeah, that was enough to buy a, a hamburger, fries, and a coke at McDonald's at yeah. the time. That was before billions were served. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the millions. Yeah. <laughs> Ten served. Yeah, even because yeah. But then you know, minimum wage was a buck fifty. Yeah, you know, or buck sixty-five. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I remember there was an electronics store near. To, you know, East Street or wherever, near downtown. Now, it would have been across the street. Is there Target there? Is Target still there, like out in the middle of nowhere? Or Target there? like a- uh, There's a Target on E and uh, I think it's Orange Hill Road. Yeah, yeah. There used yeah. to be a, a semi-round, it was a weird building, and the guy had electronics. I don't know if he sold. Oh, you know what? That used to be a theater. It looked like a theater, and then it became some sort of electronic stereo place. Yeah, it was originally built as a theater. And when it was built, they uh, had an issue because it was in the landing pattern of uh, Norton Air Force Base. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be in there, you'd be watching a movie, and these planes would be coming in, and, you know, you could hear them. Oh, my gosh. Perfectly. Wow. Wow. Plus that area... Uh, years and years ago was swampland, so it had a high water table. Gosh, so the, it's hard to imagine. There was a um, a post office just down the street from there. They had to have pumps put in to pump out all the water from the basement. I never would have even thought of but, that. But, but it is kind of a... That's been long ago. Santa Ana River used to go through there. And wow. Wow. So the, after uh, Lee Michaels, I'm trying to think what even his hit song was. Um, I know that name really well because you know there was the, there were bands like Delaney and Bonnie out there and 
other bands that I, I, I heard songs because you know, this is a, we could talk about FM radio too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I listened to a radio st- when FM radio be- first was in its infancy. Uh, I heard these bands. There was KNAC in Long Beach, the original KNAC. My dad even got me a multi-directional radio antenna from Radio Shack to put on the roof because from Whittier to Long Beach was, I don't know, 60, 70, 60 miles Mm -hmm. as the crow flies. And I couldn't, it wasn't a very strong station. And uh, with that antenna, I could get it. And so I heard these bands that I, you know, not every band was played on every radio station. Sure. But this was before the play three or five songs, cut to commercials, five minutes of commercials or more. You could almost set your watch to it. This is way before that. And every, all the songs were under three minutes. Yeah. 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 I mean, you rarely the, heard The it. glory days. Was, was San Bernardino like that with radio stations? Did those two that you mentioned? Yeah. K-Man and KFXM. There were two AM stations. And yep, we for started. Years, mm-hmm. uh, there was a country station, Casey Casey. Um, you know, was there. I didn't really listen to it that much. But I remember my sister, um, she was 12 years older than me. And mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, she got to be a teenager, 17, 18 years old, you know, she was um, listening a lot to um, Buddy Holly and Elvis. And that that's transition going from the 50s into the 60s. Yeah, um, no doubt. I remember uh, she listening i think it was a shrells or something soldier boy and then last kiss that mm-hmm. were big back then yeah. um some uh where did were you a big Richie beatles fan Bounce. oh yeah yeah where did you where, was, was it those stations am that you heard them on yes yeah yeah it's what yeah. we i rem- remember my sister and brother-in-law coming over actually my brother-in-law kind of got me into uh music he he liked the uh, kingston trio <laughs> and he played them a lot mm-hmm. and that kind of wow this is kind of cool yeah and then uh from kingston trio i remember uh beach boys yeah and i got really into beach boys and then the beatles of course mm-hmm. come along they they came over and over to the house um and said yeah we're gonna watch ed sullivan Beatles are going to be on. I had no clue what the Beatles were. Right. I never heard of them before. That immortal February. Yeah. End of February 64, 1964. I know it's probably cliche, but, you know, watching that just, wow, just changed my whole perspective of music. Yeah, there was something that that's what, you know, they've they've analyzed this, the historians or the the rock writers or, you know, whoever, you know. Mm. Uh, with the internet, there's always something about the Beatles and writing about American culture, you know, looking, I never really thought about it this way. It, they just landed, you know, literally when they landed at JFK and that press conference and then on Ed Sullivan, all of a sudden there was this energy. That's yes. what I liken it to is just like this, can, this energy of like joy and happiness just suddenly just exploded. Yeah, it was. Just, and I, we were kids. It was just simply new. Yeah, it was something new. Yep, I, that was the turning point, you know. And because they, to finish my thought is, well, there was the assassination, the Vietnam War was starting to, you know, 
be entrenched and it, it, it was before I think really the protests started but uh, in 64 anyway but um, those things were all negative and the Beatles just kind of according to the those that say they know culture that was what brought everybody out of their depression well to me it didn't had really didn't have anything to do with it. I was eight years old yeah. in 1964 and I remember JFK and these, you know, a little bit down the road, it would be like the first time seeing Monty Python, sure. laughing your head off going, what is this? But it was, what is this in this new way? Yeah. I remember thinking that first time I saw Saturday Night Live. Yeah. You know, it, we, you know, we were fortunate enough to see the, you know, the first show. Right. And uh, Live. we were just kind of like, what are we watching here? And yeah. we kind of got to the point of like, why are we watching this? Because <laughs> yeah. it was so slapstick, but you know, yeah. so, but it, it just riveted us. Yeah, and there was, we, that, that's a whole subject too. I mean, um, I remember, this had to be high school. There was, um, I don't remember, my wife would know this, but Friday nights and Saturday nights, but I think Friday nights there was, there was, um, there was a show called In Concert on ABC. Then there was, um, oh, the Midnight Special. That show, which was the one that Don Kirshner did. That was that was the Midnight Special, and and everybody who was anybody played on that. It reminds me of the the old Whistle Test, that yeah. show that used to be on in England that everybody went to. Even our bands went over there. Yeah. I mean, Neil Young did a, a performance on yeah. there. They all did. But Kirshner's Rock. Was it Don Kirshner's rock concert or was it the Midnight Special? I think it was rock concert. Yeah, because ABC also had a, just a live, it was a one hour, I think a one hour show. And I think KLOS might have been around then yeah. that started to simulcast it. I don't remember. I could be wrong there. But, oh man, you got right. to. Either KLOS or uh, KMET. Yeah. One of those two. And so you could simulcast it on your stereo. Yeah. And uh, it was on, and then Kirshner was on, or Kirshner was on first, and it was on after that, and then we had Saturday Night Live on Saturdays. So, I mean, you know, we we had to miss some because we went, like my my son today, his evening starts on the weekends at 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) Yeah, in San Bernardino, we we couldn't pick up FM very good from Los Angeles, so KLS and and KBT, it was, unless you had a big antenna mm-hmm. you know a lot of people hook their fm's uh, radios up to the television antennas to try yeah. to pick stuff up yeah there was but uh, there was about five or six radio stations that i could listen to with that antenna mm-hmm. and they were anywhere from long beach to la mm-hmm. klos kmet which were the right now kmet i mean klos rather is uh, reminiscing they they have a podcast where they're going through because they've been around 50 years yeah, now. It's been a while. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of Mark and Brian and I personally wasn't into that shock radio stuff. I thought it was kind of crass. Yeah, I didn't like how they kind of... And uh, But a lot of it is like... into stuff. But yeah. the, their historical stuff, I mean, their vaults, you know, you want to talk about vaults, you know, they've got... Yeah. Because they had, um, you know, those those... I remember KLOS had the seventh day, it was called, on Sunday afternoons. I think it was KLOS. uh, Coburn? Bob Coburn. Bob Coburn. Coburn. He actually passed away. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And um, it's when everybody'd uh, 
get out their cassette decks and their yeah, cassettes. Well, he, I, I'll think recording. of Bob Coburn, sure. Rockline, Rockline. That was a show where, and then uh, Mary Turner, they called her the burner. Uh, she would interview rock stars, and she she was like Jim Ladd. She thought she was God's gift to rock music, and mm-hmm. but her interviews were pretty good. Jim Ladd, I didn't really. I, I like Jim Ladd because they allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do, yeah. and he was one of the first DJs that would integrate songs or play songs, two songs at once, or play a set. Yeah, he did a thing called headsets. Headsets, yeah, and he also loved Zeppelin. Yeah, and one either every night at nine o'clock or on sometime. He played a half hour of Zeppelin, you know, and he got to introduce his favorite Zeppelin songs, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was cool because yeah. back then, I mean, today you could just say, I want to hear this. Go to your computer, YouTube, yes. whatever. You can hear it mm-hmm. instantly. I was telling Alec, my son, that uh, looking at this Woodstock thing and 10 years after song, you know, that that's a, a moment too. Yeah. 10 years after I'm going home. And uh, I said, but, you know, back then, you know, I had, you had to have the record mm-hmm. and then you had to put it on and play, clean it and play it, mm-hmm. you know, so you, when you played it, you savored it. <laughs> well, you know, that song at the time was real kick butt rock and roll. You know, nope. Not a lot of bands were doing that. No, no. Um, it, it's, it still is an amazing song. Yeah. I just watched it a while ago. You know, even at the end, he, his control over, the instrument, he's when he hits the final chords, feedback starts to come out through the speakers, and he actually rides the feedback back into the chord and <clears throat> ends the song on, on a yeah. chord. And then that big watermelon rolls across the stage, and he puts his guitar down and hoists up the watermelon and thanks everybody, puts it on his shoulder and just walks off. He doesn't say a word, just yeah. walks off stage. And of course, the announcer, ten years after, yes. you know, it, it, it was a, one of those moments. But, now you uh, make me want to go home and watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the director's cut is is really good. Yeah, there's yeah. there's so many sources for old movies and albums yeah. like. So uh, back to the the swing. Why do you ever know why they called it the swing auditorium? Yeah, there was. A, well, initially, the the Orange Show Fairgrounds. Right. Um, it was like I think a ten-acre fair fairgrounds, and then mm-hmm. needed buildings for their different events. Uh, the swing auditorium was built for concerts and so forth. Mm-hmm. And right. It, it was a um, a a senator or a congressman that it was named after. So really. Named Swing. That was his name. Yeah, that was his last name. Something Swing. My memory serves me right, but it was... Because I was just thinking that... Some uh, politician it was named after. Things I wanted to ask you about that. And because... I, you know, I never really... Because obviously they, you know, they didn't host, you know, dances every Friday or Saturday night and do the swing, yeah. which I personally love that dance. In eighth grade, <laughs> I took swing. dance class, and Julie Ramey and I, whoops, I slipped a name there, oh. were the champions at dancing the swing. Mm-hmm. Years later, her father was my... Life insurance yeah. agent. <laughs> they had about three or four different buildings there that they used. At the is that, is, what's that domular thing that's kind of there today? Or is it still there? I think there? that's called the Citrus Dome. The Citrus Dome? Yeah, they had the Citrus Dome and... So that was part of it. Yeah, they... The swing when, is gone, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when the swing auditorium burned down, they... Oh, my gosh. They... Uh, that's right. 
they started having concerts there at the Citrus Dome. And, God, there's another building there. I can't remember the, the How many did now. the Swing Auditorium hold? I think I read Ballpark. somewhere it was like 10,000. So it was, by, the it was, forum was, was like size. 17. I remember. Yeah. Think about the Swing Auditorium. It was really wide and not real deep. So you could be clear in the back, yet be up front. That would be awesome. And it had a really wide stage. It kind of protruded out, kind of in like a half circle. So you could be off to one side to the other and have really good seats. Um, yeah. I remember it was loud as could be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, and, I mean, the two things that struck me first thing was the smell of marijuana in the air strong as soon as the lights went out and the how loud yes. i mean i thought i you know i'd been to my friend's house that had loud sound systems or whatever but this was so loud you had to almost yell at the person sure. sitting your friend sitting next to you mm -hmm. and then your ears would suffer for especially if you were close to a set of speakers yes. which didn't happen very often but i remember I was uh, at, uh, gosh, Anaheim Convention Center. That was a rare place to go see a concert. They jumped in the game was late. Was that the one across the street from Disneyland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I think, southwest, or I don't know. It's on Harbor. Yeah. And um, I, I was only there a couple times. One was a ill-fated, uh, back in the early days of satellite closed circuit. Oh. Remember yeah, closed sure. circuit television? Mm-hmm. Uh, Back in the day, you could not watch the Indianapolis 500 on Memorial Day. And they started this closed circuit thing. And my dad and I wanted to go see it. And they lost the feed. And they had to refund everybody's money. Oh we got we gosh. got there. We got food, sat down, and sat there for like an hour. And they couldn't get it to work. Oh, no. Other than that, I saw Emerson, Lake, and Palmer there. I their 1974 yeah. Welcome Back My Friends tour to yeah. the show that never ends. I saw it wherever it was I, in SoCal. I saw them at the swing. Wow, that yeah. must have been amazing. That They were doing their uh, works. Oh, okay. Works. The next, they were kind of the tour after that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because they played Long Beach. from. They did the swing and they, they did Long Beach because I saw the works tour. Yeah. That was, that was, they had, did they have the orchestra? They probably didn't. They did not. No, because they started on the East Coast, and it bankrupted Lake and Emerson and, and probably Palmer, too. Emerson had this, you know, idea that he wanted to do it with orchestra. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, with the unions and the travel and the money, it cost a king's ransom to put an orchestra on the road. Mm -hmm. And halfway, not even halfway through the concert, they had to drop it because they were going to go back belly up. I remember seeing interviews with Lake and Emerson years later, and I could tell Lake was still pissed. <laughs> 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 Why did I ever let him talk me into this? Yeah. But uh, no, I, I didn't see the orchestra either. But it was sure. that was Emerson had that Yamaha and that Korg, the keyboard that played Pirates. I, I, my, I love that song, Pirates. Off Pirates. Yeah, yeah. Just in their regular concerts, I understand they had like four semi-trucks full of equipment yeah they were and they had their own stage that you know stuff would come up and down yeah and yep. that and was the, probably to this day was the, the most amazing concert i ever saw with that moog synthesizer that moved around and mm -hmm. and just all the things his antics mm -hmm. and uh i've always loved greg Lake's voice and his guitar playing yeah. i mean they were like the ultimate band yeah i got to see him do the uh, brain salad surgery 
to her. And that was probably 73, so when I first moved to Portland. And, uh, wow. Somebody in, I didn't know who they were. <laughs> and and said, he went to go see Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And, well, I don't know, who are they? And they go, well, they do Lucky Man. And, well. Okay. Right. <laughs> so what? Anything else? <laughs> but I remember during the show, I'm just standing here with my mouth wide open, just, man. Yeah, literally. I had I, never seen or heard anything like this, all the activity yeah. that was going on on stage. With the, I, I could never quite figure out, other than it was him being a showman, Emerson with these knives and this Hammond, this old Hammond organ that had slots in it where he could stab the thing and make these weird sounds. He'd jump over it, throw it around the stage. Yeah. I can the, remember him jumping up and down on it and yeah. kicking it. And, and then he, and then that. Welcome back, my friends. To where he had this slide thing that shot sparks out of it when it, during this little solo during yeah. car, I don't know what song it was, but that, that that was probably the the most amazing concert I ever saw. Uh, the other one was probably Queen. Queen. The first time I saw them. Where did the, you see them at? I saw them uh, at the Forum a couple times. The first time it was uh, new, and I mean it was. They had the two that were the Marx Brothers movie names, uh, Night at the Opera and Day at the Races. Okay. And Night at the Opera had Best Friend and, mm-hmm. you know, those songs. and Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. And then the next one had Tie Your Mother Down and those crazy songs. That was the opening song of the Bicycle concert. Bicycle Races, was that on that? They, that hadn't come out yet. Okay. That hadn't come out yet. That was off jazz, I think that album was called. So they'd had all these early albums that had come out and had Brighton Rock and all these. If you ever listened to their double live album, Live Killers, sure. all those songs I have that. are off those albums. Yeah. They released like, they're kind of like U2 in a sense. And even The Who, where when I first heard them and wanted to go see them, it wasn't their first album. You know, and Who's Next was not their first album. No. You know, no. and U2 had a whole bunch of albums. I, I ended up... With a lot of bands, I would buy the record that was like "Who's Next" or uh, "U2." Was it "Boy"? The, the their famous one with "Sunday Bloody Sunday" and mm-hmm. and all that. And then I would go back and buy the previous albums, and there were a whole bunch of them. I mean, Queen had at least they had Brighton Rock, and you know the one that shows the whenever they do the uh, pre-recorded uh, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, sing-along part. Oh, Scaramouche, Scaramouche, and all that. The Four Faces. That's the. Sure. That's actually an album cover. Is it really? Yeah, it, it was a photo shoot, and then they redid it for Bohemian Rhapsody. But it was one of those early albums. I mean, they're a lot more raw. They're a lot more rock. I mean, Brian May doesn't get the credit. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the most. I mean, and Jimmy Page gets a lot of. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Page is the greatest, or, or, or Garrett Clapton is the greatest. On Sheer Heart Attack was amazing. Yep. The the opening uh, overture, mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 but the, it was. I think it was the greatest concert. Uh, I, it's a toss up between those two. But Emerson, Lake, and Palmer were my favorites. I love Queen too. Freddie Mercury just was so charismatic on stage. They played before the concert. The music was the Birds. That's all they played was Birds. Mr. Tambourine Man. Turn, turn, turn. It was nothing. That's all. they didn't play any other artist. They just played the Birds. 
and and hearing it on this megawatt system it was so clean it was like oh wow well, i gotta go get one of these. yeah this is great man going down to radio shack tomorrow morning yeah. get a ten thousand watt system Heck blow yeah. my house out Heck yeah. and- <laughs> look at neighbors here i come yeah what the hell was that now yeah and the opening act was thin lizzy jailbreak and boys are back in town Bayloys are, and those two That's songs still one of my brought, favorite songs those two songs brought down the house yeah. they were the greatest opening band because they were a class act yeah. and the and the fans got totally into it the birds and then queen and nobody knew what to expect with queen you oh mean, wow that must have been a it, show. i think because they were so different and new and loud and rock and their harmonies and and brian may i was just like who is this guitar player? He is amazing. Yeah. I still love Brian May. Dr. Brian May, I like to say. Yeah. <laughs> Astrophysicist. <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he'll get up there and he'll be screaming on a guitar and it's like, looks like it's effortless. To yeah, me. yeah. He's, There's, you know, a lot of people crunch up their faces and do all this <laughs> yeah. crazy stuff. And, yeah, those hair bands, you know, yeah. those guitar players. And, and he'll just... You know, he'll be ripping it up and just looking around and smiling to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Know how to play guitar. Yep. And then he gets, you know, he has his songs that he performs too. But oh yeah, and then that crazy little thing called love. You know, he plays that rockabilly. He can play different styles. So I, if I had to choose, it would be that first Queen concert, which uh, night at the not night at the opera, but the other one had just come out. Day, day at the races, day at the races, and night at the operas. It was day at the races. It was called, and it had you know, the one that tie your mother down and those songs, yeah. and uh, but they played everything off those two albums, and they they did sheer heart attack, I think, and some yeah. of those older ones, which I went, oh, I gotta get this song. What album's that off of? And then you went to the record store and went through the yeah. the stack and went, okay, well, which one are we gonna get? Yeah. <laughs> Can't get them all. Yeah, so. yeah, not on my budget back then. Even at three dollars or whatever they were, I think a single record. Most I went into one record store that just had tape, you know, colored tape. They would just literally pull off and cut and put, and then they had a chart. Yeah, there. This place I went to had little like little round stickers, you know, <laughs> yeah. like colored stickers, and they have a yeah. chart up there. Yeah, and you two ninety eight, whatever. Some were on sale, some were import. This place was called the Grasshopper. Not the Grasshopper. This was a total uh, stoner's record store. I think two guys that were stoned all the time ran it. Um, it was the closest one to my house. In Whittier, the, the, their, before Warehouse came in and Music Plus yeah. uh, and the other ones that came behind that. Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza. I remember that one. There was uh, and Sam's and all those that came along. There was in Tower, it was in L.A. or West Hollywood, wherever it was. Uh, Uptown Whittier had a place called Lovell's. And it, it's still there. It's still there. And not only, it was just all the guys that worked there. I mean, everyone wanted to work there. But they only hired you know musicians or guys that were really in the know. Like, like, like you would expect if you went to a bookstore. Mm-hmm. You want to know who wrote this book, or I need this book, and, and they would know. Yeah, give you a little background on it. And uh, so the guys at Lovells were like that. And then they had uh, guys that were photographers who had press passes. So, say Zeppelin was in town for two weeks with a 
physical graffiti tour. There would be photos of Robert Plant from various nights, 8 by 10 already framed, and you could buy them. And I bought, Robin loves Zeppelin, my wife, and then girlfriend. So I bought her a couple pictures of Robert Plant, and her all-time favorite performer, I would say, was Joni Mitchell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I got her one of Joni Mitchell, too. And those were the other concerts. I mean, there was the big... I mean, I said about my two favorite concerts. Do you have a, a favorite concert? or I, I do or... have a favorite concert. It wasn't so much the band. It was just the event itself. It was Blue Oyster Cult, and it was in Portland. And I was, I was in college then. Yeah. And we were, uh, the classes, we were getting ready to get our lab assignments. And there was like 12 people per lab and they, I don't know how they chose the uh, lab assignments, but anyway, there was 12 of us, and we were put in this room, and we were all from somewhere else. Uh, Kuhn, he was from Korea. Don, from Hawaii. Uh, Diane, she was from New Zealand. You know all their names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. That's that, awesome. That, that turned into a big adventure. And uh, Greg, uh, he was from uh, Corvallis. And Troy was from Susanville. Uh, Dennis and Bonnie were from Sacramento. But just, you know, a wide range of, yeah. of people. And we're all excited. Wow, we're, we're in the lab, you know, and we got test tubes, we got beakers, we got Bunsen burners, all <laughs> kinds of stuff we can break. You know? <laughs> we're on the sixth floor of this building, and it was we were just all in awe. And uh, Greg walks in and says, Hey, who wants to go to a concert tonight? Just out of the blue. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, well, I guess. I don't know. Who? It's just well, Blue Oyster Cult. Now, were you thinking rock concert when he said that? Or yeah. could it have been anything? It, well, actually, it could have been anything. Because we really didn't know each other then. Right. And we'd only been thrown in this room for maybe an hour or two. Right. But and it, he says, yeah, Blue Oyster Cult's playing. Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he says, well, we can meet at my place. He had an apartment in downtown Portland. It was about a 15-minute walk to where they were playing. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, let's all meet up there. And so we all met up there, and we all had a great time. And for the next two years, we were best of friends. Wow. The, the whole now, group of where us. was it in Portland again? Where, where, where was the concert? Um, to see concert in, in the Portland area, where would you go? Was there a civic auditorium? Or? Yeah, there was the Portland Coliseum. It's, it's where the Trailblazers, Trailblazers played. Okay. Um, that was a big place. And then there was another place. I just can't remember the name. It's and there were a lot of concerts Andrew. there. Yes. It was an old theater. Okay. Uh, Isn't Portland were, a port town? Is, is it on the on the ocean? Yeah, it's on the, where the Klamath, uh, Columbia River and the uh, Willamette come together okay and the columbia is what divides oregon and washington so it was the spontaneity of it and you were just not met the friends yeah to be and and this concert appeared yeah and we and i bet they were good none of us had any idea and they actually did a recording of uh the blue oyster it was their first live album on your feet or on your knees that was in that concert yeah. in Portland? Yeah. Oh, my. Part of it's, it was recorded there. Wow. And they made think, yeah, you were. 
we're doing a live recording and I mean, this and that. And over the years, I think "Don't Fear the Reaper" is kind of like, you know, Benny and the Jets, or I don't know, the songs that you hear too much. You get behind that song, mm-hmm. and the first two or three albums, Blue Oyster Cult was a really good band. Yeah, this was even before that. Yeah. Okay. Before the "Don't Fear the Reaper" or. Um, right. There was a song they did called Flaming Telepads. Yeah. <laughs> it was off one of those albums. Yeah. I don't know what the hell that meant, but it was a great song. Yeah. You know, and, I, and KNAC, the radio station I was talking about, they played Blue Acer Cold a lot and would play whole albums. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, that's yeah. good. I remember that, it was such an exciting Buck concert. Dharma. We were actually standing on the arms of the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the cushions, on the arms. Am I right? Buck Dharma. I had that name was the guitar player or something. Some mm-hmm. name like that. I go, what a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> he was phenomenal. Yeah. He was just yeah, I mean, uh, and so the, good. That singer's voice. I mean, I don't know if it was him. I really don't know the individual. Yeah, they actually have two singers. Uh, okay. Buck Dharma. He did the uh, I'm Turning for You or Burning for You. Right. It was, uh, I think, one of their biggest hits, oh, yeah. along with yeah. Godzilla. And, <laughs> That's right. And they, oh, no. And then, of course, Don't Fear the Reefer. Right. But no, they, that was, they, 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 they went to the bank on that one. Yeah. They, but, but up until, I guess the album was Ages of Fortune. Was Yes, I can visualize that album. Was that car, uh, Like Don't a magician of card players on the yeah. cover. Yeah. That's the one that, you know, Bottom Cadillacs. But up until they were, they were a really good concert band, but they didn't have really any commercial success. They didn't have a lot of radio play. That one uh, song, Don't Fear the Reaper, has always been, especially on these weekend countdowns or holidays, the, the major, you know, KLOS or somebody mm-hmm. would play that. Um, so, I mean, so over the years, I mean, you were in Portland, you were in the Swing Auditorium here. All right, thank you for listening in. This interview actually went so long that we had to cut it in half. This is the first part of a two-part interview series with Bill, and we'll be back next week with the second half of the interview. As always, thanks for tuning in, and if you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can check us out on anchor.fm forward slash full dash circle dash analog. We also have our official Facebook page up and running now, so you can check us out at fb.me forward slash FC Analog. That's capital F, capital C, Analog. Thanks again for listening and tune in next week.